Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. As we prepare our hearts, let us pray. Lord, clear away the clutter and undo all of our expectations and have yet one more surprise for us as we read your word this morning. Amen. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish, just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one day in 1987, Todd Strandberg became a Christian. In 1987 was also the year he acquired his first computer, a Franklin Ace Apple IIc clone. And every day since... For over 35 years, Todd has published the Rapture Index. It's a tool to help align current events with biblical prophecy, all to predict when Jesus will come back and kick off the end times. So this is a real thing. I give you full permission to pull out your phone right now and visit raptureready.com. Now, some of the more scientific-minded among us might be asking, how exactly does one quantify premillennial dispensational prophecy? I've always wanted to say that sentence in a sermon. (laughs) Well, here's how Mr. Strandberg does it. The Rapture Index consists of 45 separate categories that align with signs of the end that he's drawn from the book of Revelation. Everything from interest rates to wild weather patterns to arms proliferation. Every morning, Todd wakes up, he scans the world news for stories that correspond to each of these 45 categories. Based on the volume of news stories about each category, he then assigns that a numeric value between 1 and 5. He adds them up, voila, the rapture index number of the day. As of last week, we were at a rapture index of 187, just one point shy of the all-time high of 188. As far as the significance of the numbers, though, anything from 130 to 160 suggests heavy prophetic activity. 
above 160, he says, fasten your seatbelts, y'all. Jesus is coming. Now, I can object to Mr. Strandberg's rapture index on many levels. And the first one being that even a middling student like myself can see that he's not following a very precise scientific method. But the main issue I have with raptureready.com is that it assumes the coming of the Lord must be bad news for almost everybody, except the one doing the predicting, of course. Now, I think that there were some in Jesus' day who would have loved raptureready.com, people who were so sure that tragedy was a sign of God's punishment on the wicked. Our reading to get today begins with some people in the crowd desperately trying to make sense of some recent tragedies. Did you hear about those Galileans who were slaughtered by Governor Pilate during Passover? I wonder what sins they committed to deserve such a fate. Or what about those 18 people who were crushed when that tower fell? I wonder what they did to anger God so. Do you know, people used to think like that a couple thousand years ago, that when bad things happened, the victims somehow deserved it. People used to think like that in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina broke the levees in New Orleans. All that debauchery, they said. Should we expect anything different? People used to think like that in 2010 when an earthquake devastated Haiti must be because of their long history with voodoo. They had it coming. People still think like that all too often, and no amount of time seems to scrub that out of the human imagination. But I believe Jesus has something to say about that line of thinking. Do you think they sinned any more than the rest of you, he asks, before emphatically answering, no. And then he tells them this parable about an unproductive fig tree and the landowner who had cut it down. Now, when it comes to parables, we have this assumption that we often make, that the the conclusion is that the person with the most authority in the story must be the stand-in for God. The landowner, therefore, that must be God, expecting fruit, finding none, ready to cut you down at any moment. The message being that you had better start worrying about the fruit you are producing. Now you can read the parable that way. You can. But I believe that parables are never as easy as that. I tend to think that parables often contain an unexpected twist. Something to reorient the listener to an entirely new way of thinking. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, landowners are rarely portrayed in a positive light. Just the previous chapter, Jesus tells a parable about a foolish, wealthy man who spends his life building bigger and bigger barns, only to realize that his life has been a waste. So in this parable, as if on cue, enter the gardener who is tasked with caring for the landowner's fig trees. The landowner looks at the fig tree and sees a waste of resources and real estate. 
the gardener looks at that same fig tree and sees limitless potential. The landowner looks at the fig tree and sees an investment without instant results. The gardener looks at the same fig tree and sees a project that will take several years to bear fruit. The landowner looks at the fig tree and says, cut it down. But this very gutsy gardener looks at the landowner and says, you cut it down. It's easy to miss that, but that's the twist. Did you see it? It's right there in verse 9. Can you imagine the gall of this gardener who says to his employer, if you want that tree gone, you cut it down. The gardener is clear. I take care of trees. I do not cut them down. So if parables are meant to reorient our thinking, I wonder if Jesus is reorienting the way we imagine God. For three years, I've come looking for fruit. I find none. Cut it down. Why should it waste the soil? The message is clear. Profit me. Produce for me. Prove that you are worth the soil you are planted in. Friends, that is not... God's voice. That might be every other voice out there, but it is not God's voice. Today is World Communion Sunday, and our global outreach team had the forethought to invite Michael Anello to be with us today. Michael comes to us from Haiti, where he serves as the director of the Haiti Reforestation Project. They plant trees. So I invited Michael to co-preach with me today because I believe that the Haiti Reforestation Project embodies this very gutsy gardener that we have met in Scripture today. So I'm going to yield the pulpit to him and let him tell us a bit about our brothers and sisters in Christ in Haiti. And um, so welcome, Michael. Good morning, everyone. About 35 years ago, a servant of God set forth and sailed the Caribbean. When he reached the island of Española, he noticed that his nautical charts were much, much different than the coast of the the shoreline showed. Interested, he explored more and realized that due to deforestation and the rains, the coastline had changed a lot. Haiti reforestation was founded. Partnering with local population, the project was set forth in place to plant more trees and to stop erosion. Now, after 35 years, we have forests that provide many different benefits to the people of Haiti. We have food, we have lumber, we have jobs, and we have valuable resources for the people of Haiti and the partnership with CODEP. CODEP consists of 769 Haitians, And through the efforts of the Haiti Reforestation Board, we are able to provide financial resources to help support Haitian families. I have lived and worked in Haiti for 13 years. Um, During my time there, I've seen good, I've seen bad, and I've seen ugly. Um, It's been my home, and I cherish this experience that I have in my life. 
Um, prior to this, I was a psychologist in the Charlottesville, Virginia area, um, and it was time for me to start giving back. So I moved to Haiti on a dare. Um, someone said to me, you should come, see what it's like. And I had no interest in going to that country. Um, I went there and I was blown away by the happiness of the people who had absolutely nothing. Um, I've had many crazy experiences during my time in Haiti. One I'd like to share with you this morning is something that just happened this July. Um, due to the deforestation and where I live, I live in the city of Leogon, which is down by the beach. But most of our work with Haiti reforestation is up in the mountains. So we plant trees up in the mountains. And the erosion and the rains come, a lot of the stuff from up on the mountains come down. But where I live in Leogon, there's no trees behind where I live. Well, back in July, um, we had some heavy, heavy rains. And it was so devastating that I went outside to look and this wall of water was coming at us. And truly, it was a wall of water. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do? And I went inside and the water raised and raised and raised. And in Haiti, um, I have a little six-year-old who I am raising for a friend of mine. And his name is James Lee. And James Lee is, uh, he's a character. Um, he speaks English, he speaks Creole, he speaks French, he's, he's just a great little kid. Um, so the rains were coming and I could see that they were going to hit the windowsills. And James Lee's a little guy, so I didn't know what to do with him. So I picked him up and I had to put him up on the kitchen counter. And I also have a couple of dogs, and the dogs came in. And they were standing on top of the furniture, but at this point in time, the furniture was floating all around the house. So we didn't know what to do. That's what deforestation does. When you cut down all the trees, there's nothing to hold the water back. And all this water came at us. Um, it was an experience. I've had many experiences like that during my time in Haiti, and I cherish them. And they're going to be part of my memory forever and ever. But I want to share them with you because it's, solely, it's truly important to make this world a better place. And we all do it through our work with God. This congregation supports what I do, and I appreciate it. It supports the people of Haiti. And for the people of Haiti, they can't come here to say thank you. And right now, Haiti is not in the best places politically, so you can't come there. It used to be that this congregation had groups come down to Haiti and work hand in hand with our Haitian partners, but you can't come anymore. So I come here and try to spread the word and talk with you all and share part of what I do down there. I watch the people of CODEP work, and they work with faith. They put their faith in each other, they put their faith in God, and they put their faith in themselves. Their guidance towards a better tomorrow. Without hope, many of the Haitians would lose faith and would not be able to survive in their daily lives. The struggles of Haiti have increased greatly in the last three to five years. No teams come down, and the Haitians forget what it's like to work hand in hand with the Americans, or the Blancs, which they like to call us. My ask for you today is to continue to pray for us. Um, it's tough right now. Um, it takes me three days to get in and out of the country. 
I used to be able to get in my truck, drive to the airport, get on an airplane, and get out. Um, I can't do that anymore. The roads are blocked, the gangs are taking over, and it's a whole different country. Um, but I'm not ready to leave. I'm not finished with my work there and with the people there. Caring for the earth means that people, the children of God, can thrive. And to be able to thrive is so important for all of us in our daily lives. So I thank you for your support. I'm looking forward to continuing to co-pastor here this morning. And I hope to see you all after service. I could imagine that landowner stepping out of the pages of scripture, looking Haiti up and down and saying, I have come looking for fruit. I do not find any. Cut it down. But friends, I believe Jesus wants us to hear another voice, a very different voice. The voice of this gutsy gardener who says, bearing fruit takes time. The voice of this gutsy gardener who says, there is other fruit that matters as well. The voice of this gutsy gardener who says, nobody is a throwaway. Nobody is a waste. Don't you want to hear that voice? Don't we all want to hear that voice? May God open our ears so that we hear it loud and clear. Amen.